Our first scripture reading this morning is in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 12, so if you want to turn there, 1 Samuel 12, we'll be reading verses 6 through 25. And now, beloved of the Lord, hear the words of our Lord. And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness, who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, and he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, and into the land of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against him. And they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord, and have served the Baals and the Asherah. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, that we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubal and Barak and Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us. When the Lord your God was your king. And now behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now therefore stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil, to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people. For his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away. Both you and your king. Thus says the word of the Lord. <clears throat> I want to draw your attention to one verse 
something that will come up in our message today. And we have Samuel speaking of the people of God, of their disobedience. You know, they're doing things that were disobedient to God's law. And what does Samuel do? Verse 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Our reading this morning is from Colossians, Colossians 1. I'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 14, then our text will focus in on verses 9 through 14. We come now before the Lord to hear His holy, inerrant, and inspired word. Colossians 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is faithful, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. Thus says the word of the Lord. As I was studying for this message, I was trying to look where the city of Colossae is, and it's kind of interesting. It's in what we call Turkey today, our modern-day Turkey. It was near Laodicea, was near Heropolis, in the Lycus River Valley, in the region of Phrygia, and that area was hit hard by an earthquake around A.D. 14 or 17, somewhere in there, and again around A.D. 60. The city was rebuilt on its own funds. They didn't, they didn't accept money from Rome. The city of Colossae went uninhabited around 400 A.D., and the site is mostly unexcavated. That unexcavated site sits about 550 miles to the west of where that most recent 7.8 magnitude 
earthquake that recently hit Turkey and Syria. So I give you an idea of where Classe is located and, and the history of earthquakes in that area. Paul did not plant the church in Classe. It was started by Epaphras. You know, Epaphras was more than likely one of the uh, disciples that had gone to Ephesus and was trained there by Paul. And we can read about that in Acts 19, 1-10. It was about a two-year training down there. And after that, Epaphras likely was a native of uh, Colossae. He journeyed back there to plant a church. And then about five to seven years after Epaphras started the church in Colossae, he journeyed to Rome to meet with Paul, who was in prison at that time. And according to Paul's letter, we understand that the church in Colossae was struggling with some form of Greek-influenced Jewish philosophy or spirituality. You know, Paul wrote Colossians after meeting with Epaphras, who then returned with the letter. And we also read at the end of the Colossians, the letter, Paul's instruction for Epaphras to read the letter to the church in Laodicea, and likewise to take a copy of the letter in Laodicea and read it to the church in Colossae. So he was encouraging them to exchange the word of God. You know, I find it fascinating to look at the, the, the sheer magnitude of the logistics, the detailed coordination of the complex operation to gather men for training, they didn't know Paul was in Ephesus when they journeyed there. But they did journey there. The training that went on there for two years, and then they all went out to plant the churches in order to spread the gospel message. In order to raid the kingdom of darkness. To bring God's children into the marvelous light. That's God's providence. God directing history, directing people to accomplish the plan and purposes he has in order to gather people to himself. Here in this letter, Colossians, we find that plan, God's plan, the carrying out of God's one plan of redemption under attack. What was Paul's immediate initial response after hearing Epaphras' report? Verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Our text today exhorts the body of Christ to pray unceasing for the body of Christ. And what are we to pray for? We'll look at three points in our text today. Unceasing prayer for the knowledge of God's will to walk worthy of the Lord and giving thanks to the Father. So the body of Christ, us, we're to pray unceasing for the body of Christ. The body of Christ is maintain a fellowship of prayer, praying for all that is needed as the body of Christ. 
praying for the needs of one another, for the church we belong to, and collectively for the church in the world. You know, how many times have we heard of some really good work going on somewhere in a church, somewhere in the world, and did we stop and pray for it right then? And continue to pray unceasingly. How many times have we heard of something somewhere going on in a church we deem as not so good? Maybe it's not that great of a thing going on. Something we don't necessarily agree with. Do we pray? Or do we criticize that work? Do we say, they don't know what they're doing? Or that's not a true work? Or whatever it is. Or do we pray? How does our heart, our will direct us? Let me ask you, who needs more prayer? The the church doing the really good work? Or the church we deem not not to be doing good work? Well, it's both. Both need our prayer. You know, Paul doesn't make a distinction here. He exhorts us flat out. Again, verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Good church, not so good church, disobedient church. You know, not just the churches we agree with. All churches, all works that proclaim to be the work of God, pray for them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You know, if it's a good church, pray so they are filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so they may continue that good work. Not so good church, disobedient church, just as Samuel prayed for the disobedient church, 1 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Pray. Pray that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so they will grow and do the good works The good works God has prepared for them to do. Those that are disobedient, pray they will repent of their disobedience. Those that do not do what we might consider good works, pray they will repent of their not so good works and to grow. Pray. Pray for the church. Pray for the body of Christ. How else will they grow? Grow with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Don't we all need that? You know, remember, God's giving is inseparably connected with our asking with prayer. Just before Pentecost, Acts 1.14, all those with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. 
Pentecost followed. The Holy Spirit poured out. And concerning the giving of good gifts, we read Luke 11.13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know, if you don't think a, a particular work is of the Holy Spirit, then ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon a work. Pray unceasing for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on that work. If man started the work, pray the Holy Spirit would finish it. Why do we need the knowledge of His will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Verse 10, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We need God's spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we will pray unceasingly. You know, brothers and sisters in Christ, what is that spiritual wisdom and understanding? It begins with the gospel. We have been redeemed with the precious blood of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And when, and when were we redeemed? When we were dead in our trespasses and sins. God made us alive. We've been adopted as children of God. We have peace with God our Father. We have access to God our Father through our mediator, Jesus Christ, the Son. We have been adopted. Adopted into the family of God. We have hope in our inheritance. An inheritance imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. You know, this is not an uncertain hope. A hope of maybe it will happen, or, you know, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. No, this is a sure hope. A hope that just hasn't happened yet. And that hope does not fail us. Why? Where does that hope come from? God. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us a love that binds us to God, binds our love to God, an unbreakable bond with God, a bond of love. Our sure hope is formed by that love. A sure hope. A bond of love compelling His children, us, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. You know, when we have been filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, and are not to be, we're not to be idle, thinking our good knowledge and wisdom is enough. Good words need to be followed by good works, which includes a work of prayer. We must thrive in good works, and not just when it's convenient in our schedule or easy to undertake. We must set our sights on being fruitful in our good works, 
<clears throat> we please God when we are fruitful in our works. And the more we are fruitful in our good works, the more we increase in the knowledge of God. Begin your good works by praying unceasing. Pray unceasing, verse 11. Being strengthened with all power, according, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. <clears throat> Pray unceasing for God's grace. Pray for God's grace to strengthen us, the body of Christ. Pray for the saints and faithful brothers in Christ throughout the body of Christ in the world that we may have endurance and patience with joy. Just as James wrote, let patience have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Endurance and patience to pray unceasing for the body of Christ. Not as a burden, but joyfully watching God's providence at work. You know, in these final verses, Paul writes a summary of the doctrine of the gospel concerning the great work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In order, <clears throat> we pray unceasing, giving thanks. To the Father. Verses 12-14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. <coughs> you know, when we are filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work, being strengthened with all power for all endurance and patience, with joy, increasing in the knowledge of God, we feel the benefits of redemption in our hearts. The bond of love, our bond of love with God grows stronger knowing God is the one who qualified us. You know, what an interesting choice of words. God qualified us. God made us alive together with Christ. We did not qualify ourselves. You know, in fact, we were far from being qualified when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Unable to see or hear. Certainly could not truly understand. Could not understand the word of God. The absolute best, absolute best we could do in darkness is to take the righteous word of God and translate it ourselves according to our dead unrighteousness. Best we could do. Take the true word of who God is, who fallen man is, who Christ is, what salvation is, and form it into our own unrighteous ideas. And then bow down to worship the idol we form in our own mind. According to our self-made, fallen, sinful, unrighteous ideas. You know, when dead people make a decision for Christ, they may as well make a decision to walk to the moon. They'll get just about as far. 
but God. When God qualifies us, even when we are bowed down to our unrighteous idols, when God qualifies us, He raids the kingdom of Satan, redeems His children from the gates of hell. By God's grace, we are given faith, and we see, and we hear, and we begin to understand, and we believe, and we are justified, and an unbreakable bond of love attaches us to God. We are assured of that bond of love. We have been qualified. And we thank God who has qualified us. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Pray unceasing, thanking God. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Thank God for your salvation. Thank God for the salvation of many, the, the body of Christ. And thank God for those yet to be saved. Those who remain lost and wandering in the world, bowing down to their self-made idols. Those who may have been deceived into thinking they are already saved. Thank God in advance for His mighty work to raid the kingdom of Satan and save all who belong to the body of Christ. May Satan be the one that trembles at the mighty works of God. Knowing this, this is so very important. Looking back at our first reading today, 1 Samuel 12, 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. We need to remember <clears throat> nothing will frustrate the plans of God to redeem a people for himself. Nothing. Not me. Not you, not the enemy, not a demon, not a man of lawlessness, not a great apostasy, no worldly government, no worldly philosophy, nothing, absolutely nothing will frustrate God completing his redemptive work, raiding the kingdom of Satan and transferring to the, <clears throat> to the kingdom of his beloved son all whom he redeems. Pray unceasing for the body of Christ. Let us pray. Once again, we come before the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, graciously grant that your word, which we have heard, may be inscribed inwardly on our hearts. Translate your word into love in our hearts. Fill our hearts with your divine love, a love that strengthens our bond to you, a love that grows in us more and more each day, a love that radiates truth to a fallen world, a love that compels us to seek after you, to follow you, to walk in love, to walk in light, to walk in wisdom. Shape our hearts to love you. Compel us to walk in Christ. 
to glorify you in all that we do. Compel us to pray unceasing for the body of Christ. Cause us to bear the fruit of the Spirit and to live in holiness, diligently following your commandments. Create in us that which is pleasing to your love. Make us to love you with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. We ask you, Lord, shine your light upon us, that we may reflect and radiate your light, your love, to the world. Use us to lead those who are lost, wandering, and confused into the way of truth, so they may love you. Continue to bless us and protect us as we sojourn in this fallen world. All this we pray for the honor and praise of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.